I'm so glad to have you on the podcast because I, I got to ask you a question. And that is the first two words on your professional website are modern email. I have to admit, I'll be honest with you. I'm all with Pat Flynn and the riches or in the niches and all that stuff. But it takes a certain amount of cojones to say that I'm going all in on email, especially kind of in the content marketing space. But it appears you have a reason for posting that so prominently on your website. And I got to ask, why should I care about modern email marketing, especially as someone who might want to build my personal brand for the stuff that I choose to do with my career? Great question, DP. And I'll use a little story to bring that point home. So TikTok has become a massive, massive social media platform. And there are influencers and marketers on TikTok with hundreds of thousands of followers. Well, back in the fall in the US, TikTok was nearly banned and it still might be banned in the US. And all of these influencers had built these massive followings and many of whom monetized these followings. And so much of their revenue is coming via these TikTok followings, realized pretty much overnight that they could lose everything. Yep. Just like all of the Vine creators did when Vine went away. And you could go down the list of any number of social channels that just don't exist anymore. Right. And so that is one of the problems with building your following on ground you don't own. And it's the same thing with Facebook. Uh, you know, many businesses invested or paid to get Facebook business followers only for Facebook to turn around and charge them anytime they wanted to get something in front of their followers. And it's the same on other platforms where you're reliant on an algorithm to deliver your own content to your own followers. And that's where email is so very powerful because you own your email list. You build your email list. It has so much value. You can take it with you wherever you want to go. You don't like what your email platform's doing, ditch them. Take your email list and move to another platform. You can send emails when you want and you can control exactly what is in those emails. There's no one telling you what you have to do. And it's also affordable. And then on top of all of that, there's a rumor, there's a myth out there that people don't like email. It's outdated. It's annoying. That's not the case. Data... And I can tell you from my own experience, the results show email marketing works insanely well. And if you look at most major brands, even very modern brands, they all use email. And it's because it's extremely, extremely effective when it's done well. And I guess that's the key when it's done well. And of course, I'm guessing you help a lot of companies and individuals potentially do email well. But I got to admit, I was agnostic. Before you said the words that that made sense to me a lot, which was never build on rented land. Oh, my Lord, that makes so much sense. And you know, of course, if you listen to any of the big podcasts about content marketing or anything, one of the first things they'll ever tell you is get them off their walled garden platform and into your pickup truck to take them back to your house practically as quickly as possible. And you don't have to be a huge company to learn that lesson. Because I think back in the day when there were such things as newspapers and newspaper reporters, newspaper reporters used to get hired because of the quality of their Rolodex. Now, for all you young people out there who've never heard the term Rolodex, what that was was it was a literal rotary file of cards that you had phone numbers and names of people on it. So if you're a reporter, 
your value to a newspaper was often tied specifically to that Rolodex and the people you knew and the phone numbers you had so you could reach out to them at any time, especially when absolutely needed to bring them into your story or, you know, get information from them, whatever. So you're kind of talking about taking an updated look of what that Rolodex strategy is and bringing that into your efforts, whether they're professional, whether they're personal brand oriented, whether they're business oriented, it all works because as much as I hate to say it, email still exists. And you're saying not only does it exist, but it's incredibly effective. Now you got to convince me. You got to tell me a story that's going to make my mouth drop open about an email effort that you can cite that will literally make me eat my words when it comes to email agnosticism. Got it. Yeah. So I recently worked with a client who's in the health and food industry and they have a massive, very profitable blog. And they also have about a million Instagram followers, I think somewhere around a million. And they hadn't been using email. And so I worked with them to start growing their email list. They had a, a decent sized email list, but we, I created a new lead magnet for them and helped them further grow their email list. And then we launched a digital product via email marketing. And they had created digital products before, but this week that we launched the digital product for them was their biggest sales week in the entire history of their company. And the majority of the sales, I think around 60 to 70% of the sales were from email marketing. And that is one of the most powerful things about email, social media, a lot of other marketing channels are great for grabbing attention. Email is really good at selling people. And I've worked at multi-billion dollar SaaS companies and email marketing, when it comes time and they need to hit their sales numbers, guess what they pull out? email marketing. And so if you if you look at any of these big companies, they know that email is one of the best ways to generate sales because they have all these people who signed up to hear from them. And it's permission-based marketing, which is so, so much more effective than uh, just sending out ads to a bunch of random strangers. Yeah. Well, I'm reminded of Kevin Kelly's very influential article, A Thousand True Fans, Kevin Kelly was what? He was the first editor of Wire magazine, I think. And he came out with an article that basically said what you want to do or what people should consider doing is trying to create a thousand true fans of what you do, how you do it and who you are. Because if you can sell to those thousand true fans, $100 worth of your products or services each year, you're making the proverbial six figures that everybody wants to make, right? And, you know, when he broke it down like that, it's like, wow, of course I should be doing that. So the question is, how can I get a thousand true fans? How can I easily converse with those thousand true fans? And how can I even query those thousand true fans to find out what they might be interested in purchasing from me? Is this kind of, am I thinking the right way, Liz? Yeah, absolutely. And email is one of the best ways to build those uh, like a thousand true fans. Because when someone opts into your email list, it's showing a bit more commitment than someone who might, you know, visit your website. Because what person can visit a website and they might never come back. When they're on your email list, they're going to hear from you again and again. And that's a great way to build this relationship. And this relationship where you have people that turn from subscribers into fans. It's by repeatedly showing up 
and giving them value. Uh, so for creators, for bloggers, for podcasters, sending them your best content that's just valuable and educational. And you're going to build this relationship where they do become fans and where eventually they're like, oh, uh, DP created this product. I love everything he does. Of course, I'm going to buy it. Like there's no way I wouldn't buy this. And with email, you have so much control over how often people hear from you and the quality of how they're hearing from you too. This episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast is brought to you by my new book, Nonfiction Brand. Discover, craft, and communicate the completely true, completely you brand you already are, now available on Amazon.com. Too many people for too many years have labored in obscurity. Why? Because that's the way it's always been. Work for someone else and remain nameless, letting others take credit for your hard work. But in today's hyper-connected, everything-is-media world, that's all changed. In 1997, Tom Peters outlined the tenets of a new concept, personal branding. Fact is, if you're not actively branding yourself based on who you are, what you do, and how you do it, you are leaving opportunity on the table. But with this book and a little bit of work, that opportunity is 100% yours to own starting today. Jay Baer, best-selling author of Talk Triggers, said, The book is outstanding, highly recommended, a spectacularly useful guide to personal branding that pulls off the difficult trick of being both realistic and inspirational. A must-read, regardless of where you are in your own brand-building journey. To get your copy, head on over to Amazon.com and search Nonfiction Brand. And let's get you all the credit you deserve for the completely true, completely you brand you already are. Well, I want to look at another thing from your website. And again, I don't do a lot of digging when I have people on because I want to ask questions and learn who they are by our conversation, right? But when I see a line that says, say goodbye to open rates under 25%, I got to ask a question about that because I'm an old ad guy. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows that I was in advertising marketing for close to 30 years, still am. And I'm old enough to remember direct mail, not email, but direct mail. And an open rate of 5% would get you in the Hall of Fame of mail marketers because 5%? Wow, that's tremendous. And you're saying email open rates of 25%? And not only that, but you're giving a free guide? Oh, is that what we call in the biz a lead magnet? Yeah, that's my lead magnet on my own website. And the lead magnet for anyone listening is just a free piece of content or something of value you give people in exchange for subscribing to your email list. Just give them an incentive to subscribe beyond having like some kind of sign up form on your site that says, join my newsletter for updates and the latest information, which doesn't exactly sell your email list. Well, now that we're talking about it, though, I got to let people know that I'm talking with Liz Willits of LizWillits.com. That's W-I-L-L-I-T-S.com. You got to go there because you can grab that free guide, that free 25% open rate guide simply by signing up for her, say it with me, email list. And again, you're, you're actually practicing what you're preaching and you're actually proving to me that I should be doing or paying a little bit more attention to my efforts in email instead of ignoring my email box, which unfortunately I am prone to do. So Liz, you are a personal brand of your own and you're clearly out there. You're a keynote speaker, marketing expert and instructor. I know this because I just read it about Liz on your website. 
but you're also proving that on a daily basis in the way you engage with people. So if I were asking you, Liz, what's your engagement strategy via social media, especially, where do you tend to hang out the most? LinkedIn, for sure. Is that because you're primarily a B2B service provider? Yeah, in my case, I'm B2B. So LinkedIn works extraordinarily well for me. But I also see some B2C influencers on LinkedIn who are, you know, very successful at achieving some of their important marketing goals, Uh, less so reaching customers, but more so building a network of people that can help them accomplish what they need to accomplish in their business. Yeah, it makes sense because you got to go where your fish are. You know, I'm I'm a big one for analogies and you got to fish where the species of fish you particularly want to catch are. And again, I am not a stalker and I didn't dive deep, but I did notice significant activity on LinkedIn, but not a whole lot of Facebook. And is there a reason for that? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's just mostly that LinkedIn works really, really well for me. I have my largest following on LinkedIn and it converts really well. I get a lot of leads and customers via LinkedIn. And then also part of my strategy is focusing my time on uh, what has the most impact. And I don't currently have a team of employees working for me, writing my social posts for me. And so I've chosen to spend most of my time on LinkedIn and secondarily on Twitter because I'm getting my impact for my time on those platforms. Do you hear what she's saying, nonfiction branders? It's what I call fewer things better. Instead of trying to cover the the big four, which let's see, the big four would be LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You're concentrating on two of the big four. And are they 50-50 or is it LinkedIn 75%, Twitter 25%? Yeah, I would say it's probably like 80-20 in favor of LinkedIn. Typically, I post first on LinkedIn and then I repurpose my LinkedIn post for Twitter. And so my my focus in that sense is primarily LinkedIn, because if I was, you know, 100% all in on Twitter, I'd probably write my posts on Twitter and geared for Twitter and then repurpose them as LinkedIn posts, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. I look at your strategy as an amplification strategy on Twitter. It's amplifying the music you're making on LinkedIn with the goal of getting them to link over to LinkedIn where they can be a little bit more captured in your walled garden, if you will, because LinkedIn, at least until they change things, is still really amenable to the type of activity you're talking about, which is I can build an audience there. I can share significantly to a very targeted audience. This is not going to mothers of preschoolers who don't give a rip about what I do. This is going to people who are at least possibly in the realm of what I do and would be interested in what I have to offer. And that allows you to demonstrate. And again, nonfiction branders, what is this about? It's about demonstrating who you are, what you do and how you do it. And you're demonstrating it on a daily, weekly basis to the people who actually might fork out cash for your services. Smart, if you ask me, because I'm guessing there aren't a whole lot of email marketers on TikTok right now. No, not a ton. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's amazing because, uh, uh, yeah, TikTok is one of those places where people like me who's, you know, I'm a creative director, so I got to keep my eyes on every shiny object just so I understand what it is. But I also have to kind of match 
the brands and the people and the companies I work with to the right shiny objects because it's a, it's a waste of time. Like I don't, I don't want to go too deep down that because TikTok, my God, when I started paying attention to it, I would look down and then look up and see three hours of my life had just left the building and I don't even know why. And that's part of the problem because it took me off task, whereas LinkedIn at least keeps me task adjacent, if you will. So when you say that you work for companies, what, what's the range of companies you work for? Are you, are you working for everything from a small firm of five people to a Fortune 500? Or is it a little more focused? Uh, how's that work out? Yeah, it's pretty varied. So I have clients who are small. I've even solopreneurs who are clients. So, you know, it's just them in the business. And then I also, yeah, I, one of my clients is a, is a multi-billion dollar SaaS company. So wide range of, of clients for sure. I, I have to ask you about this because I'm telling you nonfiction branders, you need to follow Liz Willits on LinkedIn to understand what my next question is about. And again, her name, Liz, L-I-Z, Willits, W-I-L-L-I-T-S. And I'm looking at some of your posts and the copywriter in me, by the way, and I do have opinions about copywriting, and I'm not here to start a fight or anything, but I will say you've mastered what has been called broetry on LinkedIn. And do you know what I'm talking about? The line that starts like this. And then there's a line that goes like this. And then there's this. And then there's a turn. I, I see you kind of nodding your head and going, yeah, yeah. Tell me about your, your whole strategy with that. Because there are a lot of people who look at that and go, oh, come on, this is a little formulaic. But then I guess you're going to tell me, yeah, but it's really effective. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I would say. There's a reason I do it. Uh, it works. And I've tested it before against other kinds of messaging. Because on social media feed, you need to grab a reader's attention. And so a good copywriter, the first line of copy is going to be a hook. And sometimes a hook can be dramatic. Sometimes it can be surprising, but it should never be boring. And typically the way we tend to write can be boring. So maybe our, if we paid attention in high school English classes, we have a very formal tone. Or if we didn't pay attention, you know, maybe we just throw some content up there. But a hook should be very well thought out. And in the case of LinkedIn, the first three sentences are what appears before you click to see more. And so those first three sentences are very important. And one of the ways to grab a reader's attention is to use copywriting formulas, basically. Like a formula that I use quite frequently is called PAS, and that stands for Problem Agitation Solution. So you present a problem, you kind of agitate that problem to make it really real to the reader. And then you present a solution. And our minds really love these formulas because uh, like PAS, for instance, is basically a story. And the mind loves a story where you have a problem that is then eventually resolved, but it's not resolved immediately because then there's no tension, but it's resolved after some agitation. And so the hooks I use on LinkedIn are formulaic and on purpose. Well, and I'm not picking on you because let me tell you, that format echoes back all the way to 1927 
when a guy named John Caples came out with an ad that has been studied to death and is, you know, some people have it tattooed on their forearm. And it's an illustration of a guy at a party, picture 1927 party, headline, they laughed when I sat down at the piano, but when I started to play Long Dash. And that sold more piano lessons in the history of humankind because everybody could put themselves in that situation where, yeah, they thought I couldn't do this. Well, guess what? I could. And formulas and recipes for copywriting have existed forever. But you hit on something that I think a lot of people don't understand. And that is on LinkedIn, especially the first three sentences show up. And if they don't grab you, the rest of the 5,000 you write don't matter. Yep. All right. You're taking me to school, Liz Willits, who is on LinkedIn at Liz, W-I-L-L-I-T-S. So you should definitely follow her there because you're going to get schooled on a lot of the stuff she's talking about because you're a good sharer. You like to share. <laughs> Thank do you. you. Have a, do you have a strategy behind that sharing? Yeah, I've kind of built my own, well, I've built my own content strategy for my brand and my content strategy is built around content pillars. So meaning that I have about these six topics, which are, I know are very important to my audience and my audience has questions about those, about those topics and they have pain points around those topics and they're broad topics. So I can break those topics out into a bunch of subtopics and basically it gives you endless an endless number of, of posts and topics to focus on. Uh, and my content pillars are typically in content marketing and email marketing. But sometimes if you look at my posts, I talk about careers or things outside of content and email. And those are more like spur of the moment decisions or, you know, something just struck me. But most of the time I use a content pillar framework to choose topics for posts. Well, I definitely want to go more into that in next week's episode. But for now, we got to wrap up this one. And again, I'm really thankful to have Liz Willits on the podcast today. Liz, if people wanted to get a hold of you or engage with you, where's the best place for them to connect with you? Definitely on LinkedIn under my name, Liz Willits. Or if you go to my website, lizwillits.com, you can definitely join my email list, get my free guide to open rates, as DP mentioned. Or uh, if you just want to directly email me, my email is liz at lizwillett.com. Well, there you go. I think you've started making my brain percolate. Oh, good. It's forcing me to get some of the scale out of my teapot and maybe think of some new ideas or, or approach things a little bit differently to something I may have dismissed unfairly, which that's the best kind of guest. So thank you very much for being that guest. For the Nonfiction Brand Podcast, of course, I would love for you guys to like, subscribe, refer it to other people. But most of all, can you do me a favor? Can you review it wherever you get fine podcasts for free? Because that really helps other people find it. That's it for me this week. I'm DP Knuton, and she is... Liz Willett. And we'll be talking at you again next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.